So I'm, I am convinced of this. I'm convinced that life is a whole lot easier than we make it. That life is a whole lot easier than we make it. If we could figure out some of these heart issues, life is a whole lot easier than we make it. It's, it's interesting to me that one-third, one-third of the adults in America suffer from hypertension, suffer from high blood pressure. It's fascinating to me. Do you know the high blood pressure among infants is ex- extremely rare? High blood pressure among children, very rare. High, blusher, high blood pressure among teens, it's not very common. But once you get into adulthood, all of a sudden, those numbers start to rise and rise and rise and rise, and we get into those middle years, right? when we have responsibilities, when we have mortgages, when we have college uh, tuition for our children that we have to pay for, and, and all of the issues and opportunities and obstacles of life, that pressure, it builds and it builds and it builds. We're a pretty stressed out, freaked out culture, right? In fact, there are some of you that you came here this morning and you're pretty amped up right? You're like, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do about this issue, and I don't know what I'm going to do about this issue, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do about this issue, and I don't know what I'm going to do about this issue. And in that, that pressure, that, that tension, uh, hypertension. See, it, it's not God's will that you live with your life riddled with anxiety. In fact, it says this in Philippians 4. And the peace of God which transcends, which is greater than anything we can understand, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart. It'll guard your heart. Now, why is it important that the peace of God guard my heart? Because here's what I can understand based on that scripture. That there are enemies to the heart, right? Just as you, if you go to your doctor, your doctor will tell you this. If, if, if you're somebody and that, that you struggle with high blood pressure, your, in, your, your doctor is going to tell you that there are enemies to the heart. Here are the things that you don't want to do, right? You don't want to consume too much caffeine. That's right. You addicted c- coffee drinkers. Uh, you don't want to drink too much ca- caffeine. Right now, I've just lost half the room because half of you are going, I can't believe he's talking about coffee. How can he talk about coffee? He, does he not understand the beauty of coffee? God gave us coffee. There's nothing wrong with coffee. You know what? Calm down. You're just way too hopped up on caffeine. But they're always right. We, we, you know the list, the issues, the, the things that are that, that, that they're enemies. It's enemies to the heart. And it causes that, that pressure to rise and rise and rise. That's what God is talking about when he speaks to us uh, through the words of the Apostle Paul and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When it says, and the peace of God, which transcends, transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. See, God wants you to live with a settled heart. He wants you to live with a disposition of peace. And he wants that for several reasons. He wants it, number one, because God cares about you. He's crazy about you. And he doesn't want you living a life stressed out or freaked out. 
He also wants you to live your life in such a way that it causes others to come to know who He is and the saving power of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't work when we're, when we're, when we're stressed out and, and, and we're freaked out. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. This promise of peace is a significant thing. Jesus said, peace I give you. Peace. Peace. I want you to say that word with me. Ready on the count of three. One, two, three. Peace. Say it again. Peace. One more time. Peace. Notice how you feel even when you say the word. That word peace. And that's what God wants. He wants you to live with peace. He's given you this promise of peace. It is his gift of peace. Because that's what Jesus said. Peace I give you. So how do I do it in the world that I live in and with, with all of the challenges that I have, with, with all the issues that I have to face, with all the responsibilities that are in front of me, with all these things that seem to be coming at me and really come against me, how do I deal with it? How do I find peace? You know what I, you know what I love about the Jesus story? Is Jesus gives us this, this really cool model of how to live. And Jesus, for all that Jesus had to deal with, do you ever notice this? Jesus never freaked out, right? He never freaked out. You never see Jesus going, oh my, what are we going to do? Right? Jesus is speaking, the crowd's pressing in. He goes, crowd's pressing in. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step into this boat. We're just going to take the boat out a little bit to where I can talk to the people. Jesus goes over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, and the, and the crowds follow him. He's speaking. Several of his disciples come up to him and go, uh, Jesus, can we, uh, can we talk about the time? Uh, Jesus, it's getting late in the day, and these people are out here, and they're, 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 they're you know, listening to everything you have to say, but TikTok, Jesus, these people are going to start to get hungry, and I don't know if you realize it, but there is not a, a, a Mickey D's close, and when, the, when, the, when this crowd gets hungry, you ever been around hungry people where there's not food? Uh, the whole atmosphere can go south pretty quickly. So how about we do this, Jesus? How about we go ahead and send them away to where they can find food? And this is what Jesus does. He goes, no, just feed them. Just feed them. What? Just feed them? Like, with what? Do you, Jesus, do you realize how much money it would take to feed this crowd? And if we fed them, where are we even going to get the food anyway? Let me tell you what we have, Jesus. All we have is we got one kid with one lunch. This is like a really bad deal. And Jesus goes, no, just have the people sit down. Have the people sit down. It's going to be okay. By the way, after this happens, Jesus tells his disciples, let's get in the boat and let's go over to the other side. They get into the boat and a, and a storm kicks up. Some translations call it a squall. Some translations call it a tempest. Here's what we know. We know that the storm there on the Sea of Galilee, that it is so severe that these guys who basically have lived their lives before they follow Jesus on boats, that they are completely freaked out. And Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And they go and they wake him up and they go, Master, do you not care that we're going to drown? And he gets up and he goes, Peace, peace, peace. He speaks peace, peace, be still. And the wind's calm. And he looks at them and he goes, why are you freaking out? 
Oh, you love little faith. Why are you so afraid? You know why they were afraid? It's the same reason why we become afraid. You know why they were freaking out? It's the same reason why we freak out. You know why they were stressed? It's the same reason why we were stressed and why we get stressed. It's not the challenge that stresses us out. It's the questions. That's what it is. It's the questions. And the questions wreak havoc on us. I've I've noticed this just in life. Spend time around somebody who gets a significant doctor's diagnosis. And the stress of the unknown, it can be overwhelming, can't it? Even debilitating. But once the doctor lays out the course of action, it's pretty easy to embrace that and go, okay, we're going to do this. Even, even, when, even when the doctor's diagnosis is not the preferred diagnosis. I, I think of a number of people in my life. There's, there's, there's one gentleman that really came to mind strongly th- this morning. Um, there was a, 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 when, I was a, when I was a youth pastor, there was a gentleman in our church. Uh, actually, it was when I was an executive pastor. There was a gentleman in our church uh, that his name was Jeff. And Jeff received uh, a doctor's diagnosis that said, Jeff, uh, there, it doesn't look good. There's nothing we can do. Jeff, you probably have three months, six months at the most. And you know what Jeff didn't do? Jeff didn't freak out. Because once he knew, okay, this is, this is what is coming. I know that I've got three to six months. He said, Pastor, I want to make the most of every opportunity. He came and he he spoke in several of our Sunday school classes. He came and he spoke to our teens. And he talked about the choices that he made in his his life, the, the, the unhealthy choices that he made in his life that caused him to have this sickness. But he also talked about the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and how he found amazing peace. And the fact of knowing that God's promises are true, knowing that God has a plan for him, that he wasn't anxious about death. He wasn't looking forward to it, but he wasn't anxious about it, but he was confident in, in knowing that to be absent from this body is to be present with, this, uh, present with the Lord. See, once the questions, once the questions are dealt with, then it's easy to go, okay, I'm going to take on this challenge. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to see this mountain moved. But the enemy loves to use, and here's what he'll do. He'll rattle you with the question. This should come as no surprise to us because that's always been what the enemy does. I've mentioned it regularly here. The scheme of the question, the enemy loves to use the scheme of the question. The very first time we see Satan interacting with mankind, the very first thing that he does is he asks a question. Why? Because when he can get you you starting to question, then what, what, what happens is your imagination takes over. Right? And, and let's be honest, when we're facing a financial mountain, it's not the issue of the financial mountain, it's the questions that come along with the financial mountain. What if I can't pay my bills? What if I can't take care of my family? What if they repossess my car? What if, what, what if they foreclose on my house? What if, what if, what if, what if? And the what ifs begin to build higher and higher and higher until they're absolutely overwhelming. Friend, the way to deal with stress is to understand and to deal with the questions. 
Jesus didn't freak out because these questions were settled in his mind. And the first question that has to be settled is this identity question. It's the reason why here at Calvary, we talk a lot about this issue of salvation, of recognizing that we are, we are human beings, we're imperfect, we're born into sin, and because of that imperfection, we deserve death, being eternally separated from God and His plan because we're not worthy to be in God's presence. God created you. Make no mistake, God created you. But because of the sinful state of man, because of your imperfection, because of my imperfection, because we're born in imperfection, it separates us from God, what our true identity is supposed to be. Jesus is able to deal with the stresses in his day because he understands who he is. He understands who he is. He says it over and over again. He says this, I am the bread of life. I am the way. I am the truth of the life. I am the light of the world. I am the Messiah. I am the door. I am the vineyard. I'm the one who brings life. I am, I love this. This is what he says in John chapter 8. I am the one who testifies about myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Now, it can be really easy to go, it was much easier for Jesus because Jesus is very God of very God. Here's the part that it's super important for you to understand. For Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for you and me, for the cross to matter, Jesus has to be 100% man. And here's what God does. God for God so loved the world that he sends his only son. And God does this amazing thing in that God becomes man. So Jesus had to deal with everything that you and I have to deal with. Oh, really? Did Jesus have to deal with a mortgage? In Jesus' context and his, his culture, these root stresses, these root anxieties that you and I deal with, Jesus dealt with every last one of them, and he dealt with them 100% human. Yes, but he knew he was the Son of God. He did know that. And here's the really cool thing, is God gives you that same opportunity today because he's called you to be his son, and he's called you to be his daughter. And when we recognize that, that that's what the gift of salvation is, that it's an opportunity for us to be a part of God's household, a part of, a, a part of us to be a part of God's family. That's the reason why we'll use a term here, not so much organization, but when we welcome new members this morning, we welcome them into the Calvary family because they are sons and daughters of the Most High God. They are our brothers and our sisters. We don't use that term so much in church anymore, but back in the day, we referred to people as brother so-and-so and sister such-and-such, didn't we? Because we, 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 really, we really embrace this idea of family. That was long before church became an event that we go to rather than a family that we're a part of. And I think the church would do well if it really got back to that. That's a sermon for another day. But this idea of identity, knowing who you are, in every one of us here, everyone who's watching via media today, God before the foundation of the world said, I 
invite you to be my son and my daughter. I want to I settle the identity question for you. And it's very important that we settle the identity question because if we don't have a firm understanding of who we are, everything else gets really cloudy. So if you're here today and you have yet to say yes to the gift of new life, to the gift of identity in God that is made available only through Jesus Christ, not by how good you are, not by how many uh, religious acts you do, not by how much religious media you can quote, not how good you are at doing Christian karaoke, which is what a lot of worship is. That's not it. It's this, this understanding of the gift that God has given you to have identity and me to have identity in Him. And so when I, when I, when I have an understanding of who I am, See, James 4, 7 says this. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I will tell you, it's a whole lot easier to resist the attacks of the devil and even to, even to understand his, the conniving that he does with these questions. When I've settled the big issue, the big question of who am I? When God calls Moses and Moses is standing before the burning bush, it's the first question that Moses asks. God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I, God? You got the wrong person, God. I can't do this. And what God wants to do is God, and and I'm, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that God has brought each one of us here today to speak identity over us. So let me... Let me let you in on what you are. You are an overcoming, more than conqueror, blessed child of the Most High God. Now, I I understand that you have a demon-possessed boss. Okay, for those of you that are watching that you've got employees here today, I'm not literally meaning that you're demon-possessed. Well, you might be. But I'm not saying that. It's not my job to judge. I'm just saying that their impression is, and so maybe you can work a little bit on your interpersonal relationships and your, you know, how you communicate to your employees. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, we settle that identity issue. And the reason that why it's important to settle the identity issue, because the other thing is this, is we've got to, se- we've got to settle the authority issue. Who am I living for? Who am I trying to please? Who am I living for? Who am I trying to please? Now, when I, was a, when I was a little boy, we didn't go to church very much. In fact, I, my, I never saw my mom in church. And uh, uh, I can only remember one time ever seeing my dad in church. And it was when, when uh, some of my siblings were being baptized. And that was about two weeks actually before my dad died. Um, but never saw my mom in church. Uh, but I, for a while uh, there, I went to church. And actually, uh, my best friend was our pastor's son. So our pastor is a little, little church in, in Fort Myers, Florida, Bible Baptist Church. We used to sing the song, Bible Baptist is the best, we're better than all the rest, Bible Baptist is the best. Anyway, I don't, don't encourage it, we, but we did it. And, uh, and, and our pastor, his name was R.A. Lane, okay, because that was back in the day when pastors never used their names, they just used their initials. And uh, so R.A. Lane and his son, David Lane, David was my friend, and so I would hang out at David's house. And uh, my, my mom would say this regular to me. She would say, because I, I didn't go to, ch- she didn't go to church, but I did. She would go, what if the pastor found out what you just did? Right? Have any of you ever, ever had that spoken over you? Has, have any of you ever said it to somebody else? 
what if, what, what, what if, what if, what if the pastor was here right now? What if the pastor just heard the word you spoke to me? What if the pastor saw that you ate four pieces of pie and left none for anybody else? You big pig, that's not me. I'm just saying what's going on in your house. Right? For am I now, Paul, the Apostle Paul said this, for am I now striving to please God or men? For if I'm striving to please men, I'm not a bondservant of Christ. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus makes this statement in John chapter 18. He says, for this cause I was born. And I came into the world to testify to this truth. And I love the fact that Jesus says, for this cause I was born. Let me tell you something. You'll live for a purpose, but you'll die for a cause. And Jesus recognized, he says, for this cause, this is why I'm here. So one of the things that we, that's really important to us here at Calvary is, is you'll, you'll, hear these, you'll hear these terms a lot. Connect, grow, serve, go, worship. Connect, grow, serve, go, worship. Connect, grow, serve, go, worship. That's really our game plan for you. It's, it's our game, game plan for all of us. So this, this journey in God, it starts with connection. So connecting to God and connecting with one another. Okay, that's where it all starts. That's where, that's where life that's where life in God, that's where his plan for you starts, being connected. Because God is more than anything, he's relationship. He's relationship focused. And so it starts with connection. And, and, and once that connection happens, what we want to do is we want to help you to grow in your understanding of God, your understanding of God's principles and his promises and the plan that he has for you. And that there's an element of that of knowing where my engagement place is. Because Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, God has stuff that he wants you to do, not because he needs you to do it, because God spoke the word and the world came to, into order. But God has these things that he wants you to do because he wants to use that as a means to bless you for you to have fulfillment in your life, for you to experience the exhilaration of accomplishment. So God has these things that he has designed even before the beginning of the world that he set out for you to do. And so we wanna help you to discover that. So connect, grow, serve, and then go. Go, we don't want you to leave Calvary, right? But go, to go out into the world and live out God's, the given mission that he has for you. Now, what ties those four things together is worship. Connect, grow, serve, go worship. And that's a model that didn't originate at Calvary. If you look, that's the model that Jesus used with his disciples. He first connected with them. He then helped them develop to grow. He then gave them opportunities to serve. And then he said, go, go out into all the world, right, and preach the gospel. And worship was just, it was, it was part of all of that. So having you understand what, if we truly accomplish what is our job, because the church exists to, to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, if we do our job, you're going to know what your go mandate is. Knowing who I am. Knowing who I am supposed to please. And then also understanding what should be the priorities of my day. I love the fact that, that Jesus, over and over again, they, they try to get him sidetracked. You know, Jesus, we should hang out here. Jesus, we should do this. Jesus, what about this? And you'll find this over and over again. When they try to sidetrack Jesus, Jesus will make a statement like this. 
He'll say, this for this cause, for this cause, for this purpose. Even, even when the time of his earthly ministry was coming to a close and Jesus knew that he was going to have to face the cross, he said, I must get to Jerusalem. I cannot die outside of Jerusalem. Even when the journey was tough, he showed no signs of stress. He showed no signs of pressure. He showed no signs of freaking out. You know why? Because he had the identity question answered. And today, God wants to answer the identity question for you. He had the authority question answered. He understood who it was in his life he was trying to please. So much of the struggle we have is because we're trying to please the wrong people. We're trying to impress the wrong people. Right? I've said it here before, I'll say it again. We, we buy things we can't afford with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. And it gets, our, it gets our priorities just so messed up to where we end up loving things and using people instead of loving people and using things. So when I, when I, when I settle the priority question, it, it, makes the, it makes the last two questions so much easier. And the last two questions are this. It's, it's, it's the activity question. Okay, I, 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 know how to, I know how to use my time. Jesus regularly had this situation. And, and, and here's, here's an example of Luke chapter 5. It says, now, now news about Jesus spread even more, and crowds came to him to be near him. But Jesus often slipped away to be alone so he could pray. You know, if you're, if you're new here to Calvary, if you're visiting us for the first time, the first time in a long time, there are a number of things that I say regularly. And one of the things that I say regularly is this, if, that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And some of us are here this morning and we're dealing with a lot of stress because we are way too busy. And we're way too busy. We have all this activity in our life because our priorities are messed up. And our priorities are messed up because we don't understand who should be the guiding authority in our life. And the guiding authority issue in our life is messed up because we haven't fully come to grips with who we are in God. And then what that does is it really skews the issue of destiny. The issue of destiny. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Jesus said it in John chapter 14 when he said this to his disciples. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. So, Let's, let's just take a couple moments to be honest as, as we bring our time together this morning to a close.
You've come this morning and your heart's troubled. I get it. Do you know what? I've been there. In fact, I am there much more often than I want to confess to you today. Jesus said to me, don't let your heart be troubled. He says to you, don't let your heart be troubled. And yet, my heart is troubled a lot more often than what it should be. Because I forget about my destiny. Because I'm engaged in all kinds of stupid activity. By the way, when our kids were small, we couldn't, they couldn't use that word in our house. It was the S word. So, but I'm a big boy now. And, uh, and, I'm, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm engaged in the wrong activity because, because my priorities are out of alignment. Because I've forgotten who really is the authority in my life. And as a result, I've kind of lost sight of who I am. If that's you today, you're, you're not alone, right? Your destiny's blurry. Because you got this unhealthy activity in your life. Because your priorities got misaligned. because you've given the wrong people authority in your life. So now you're questioning so much about even who you are. Well, God brought you here this morning. He brought you here today to settle the identity question for you. And to remind you of the answer of the authority question. To where you could can recalibrate the priority question and shift how you deal with the activity question to where you know that the destiny question is settled. Here's God's plan for you. That you live as a redeemed, overcoming child of God. That God and God alone is who you look to please. And that your priorities line up with His plan for you. And your activities reflect that. Knowing that your steps are ordered by Him. That He's already made sure that everything you need for every challenge and every opportunity that will come your way, that God's already made provision for that. And even at the point that you breathe your last, when you step from time into eternity, that you're gonna step into an incredible paradise that he's created for you. And all of heaven will rejoice when you arrive and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's God's plan for you. So that employee that you have to discipline tomorrow, that unkind boss that you have to face later today, that, 
that relationship that's pressuring you to, to go in unhealthy directions. That medical condition that has rattled you. The stuff of life that causes us to go, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about. Friends, God's brought you to his house. More than that, he's brought you to his presence today to say, peace, peace, peace I give you. There's a reason why children don't suffer from hypertension. You know why? Because they don't freak out. You know one of the biggest reasons why kids don't freak out is this. If you were to go to Calvary Kids right now, and if you were to tell the kids in that room that there's a problem, you know what the most of them would say? Robbie, they would look at you and go, Dad will fix it. Dad will fix it. Dad will fix it. Dad's got it. Is it a financial problem? Dad's got it. If it's something that's broken that needs to be repaired, God's able. Right? So here's what I'm going to tell you. With faith as a child this morning, all the questions that you're dealing with, all this stress that's wreaking havoc in your day, Dad will fix it. Dad will fix it. Now across this room this morning, there are so many parents and you see your children going through horrible situations in their life. And you know the answer to their problem. You know the fix to their situation. And it is gut-wrenching to you that they don't say, Mom, I need your help. Dad, I, I, need, you, I need you to come to my rescue. And if, if, you, if, if, if you would just be given the opportunity, if you'd just be given the door, you'd step into that. Well, can I tell you, that's the same disposition of your heavenly father right now. With this stress and this stuff and this anxiety and this tension and this pressure that you're carrying. He's saying, don't buy into the lie that God helps those who help themselves. That's a horrible old wives tale. That's not scriptural. He's saying this, if you'll just call on me, if you'll just call on me, if you'll just call on me, because dad will fix it. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.